something I've been struggling with for a long time, and God started hitting me with this, and I started to write it down. And it's something that I've known I've struggled with for a long time. And I want everybody to, some people may struggle with the same things I do. There's two things. One of them is, uh, for people that know me, will be obvious. The other one may be obvious to some, maybe not. I don't think I've ever said it out loud before. Um, but I want you to think about whatever. We all have something, okay? We all have something. Steve talked about this morning. God is so good, how he set me in ease where there's something. There's, there's something where uh, we struggle with, but through Jesus Christ and standing in his shadow, when we declare ourselves as Christians and we're truly in his shadow, people will be able to see it. We won't be the one he's talking about where they see you on Sunday morning with your suit on and your good shoes and your trucks cleaned up and all that, and then Monday morning you're screaming and yelling and words coming out of your mouth that shouldn't come out. Not that we don't make mistakes, okay? We all make mistakes. I'm going to talk about it. I brought some people up in God's Word that made some mistakes. One of my favorite characters in the Bible I'm talking about made some mistakes and had to get corrected. Um, Paul made mistakes. One of the greatest writers. We say Paul's one of the greatest writers in the Bible, in my opinion, um, believe it or not, I can read, and I do like to read. Paul's one of the greatest writers, in my opinion, that ever walked the earth, okay? Uh, and some of it is, whew, you, you got to, I have to stop and go back, like, I have an app on my Bible, uh, or Bible on my, app on my phone, and I do a real quick daily, as soon as I get a, a verse, uh, and some of us here are doing the same one, and that's awesome. I share that, and get it out, and have people ask me about it, and then there's a study, and then I read, <clears throat> and I always like to read pro, um, plans on that beyond what I read here, Paul's writings, and it takes, like, my, my app will go, hey, you've been reading the same thing for four days now. It's time to move on, dummy. We got, you know, you've got a 21-day plan. It's time to move on. So, or it'll say, hey, you've missed five days. Well, I haven't missed five days. I've been reading this one. It took me five days to understand it. <clears throat> but Paul made mistakes. We all make mistakes. Um, but uh, the two things that I, I'm telling you, it's not, it's every, like he said, it's every single day, okay? I'm going to go with the obvious one first because I'm really nervous about the second one. The obvious one is, if y'all don't know me, and even if you do, is I have struggled my entire life with anger and a temper issue, and it's hard to explain it. People are like, oh, I get mad too. You don't understand, okay? Like, do something to somebody or something to something and can't remember, don't, or it happened so fast, I re, it, was, it was done before I ever realized I did it. And I'm going to tell one small thing, and this is not about me or any kind of macho thing. Has, does anybody here not know what a chest of drawers is? It's got about six drawers in it, and they're about, it depends on what they're, they're not made like they used to be. But <laughs> they're heavy, and when they're full of things, they're heavy. And when they're full of things and they have a VCR or a DVD player or whatever it was at the time and a television on them, they're real heavy. And there was a time I turned one upside down on top of the television before I realized what I'd done. And I'm not bragging on, hey, Matt's strong. It, it's horrible. It was on the television upside down. And then I went, how did that happen? Well, you picked it up and flipped it before you thought about anything. And so this verse... It's what I want to start with, <clears throat> and uh, y'all can try to follow me. I'm not, like I said, it's not going to be an expository thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say things and move on. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. 
for the wrath of man worketh not, worketh not the righteousness of God. So I read that and I think if I had, and I wasn't at the time, not truly. I had said I was a Christian. I've been in church. Steve talked about Methodists and he looked at me and he never said, I thought he was going to say some of y'all were Lutherans. If y'all don't know what a Lutheran is, a Lutheran is like a Methodist uh, that's gone kind of rogue, like a, like a, uh, I don't know, like a ghetto Methodist, okay? They don't dress up, they don't dress up as much. They probably drink a little more. And those kind of, it's, it's real, it's not, you know, I would go to a Methodist church and go, these people, I'm, I can't, I'm afraid to move. I'm afraid to, like, I'm afraid to move my eyes. Lutheran church, completely different. But uh, I claim to be, I claim to be and went to church my whole life. But I thought about the story that I just told you about the chest of drawers, if, it doesn't matter that it's the chest of drawers if it's, um, I've done a lot of things. I have broken pay phones, for those of you that know what a pay phone actually is. <laughs> Hung the receiver up and tried to put my hand through the pole of the pay phone and almost made it to the pole. Um, receiver and the numbers didn't survive. The, the pay phone didn't survive. Those things, what if somebody sees me or hears me tonight or I'm on, where I'm on live tonight, and then I, there's not even payphones anymore, but maybe I throw my cell phone across the Piggly Wiggly parking lot in a minute. It doesn't really matter if it's a chest door's flipped up or if I punch a cell phone. I have to think about this scripture right here. In verse 20, 19 is what everybody talks about. You know, uh, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Well, I'm like, I'm swift on all three of those. Like, I hear you, and then I'm going to say something, and then... Somebody's going to get punched. That's just the way, it's just the way I, and I'm going to get to why in a little while. But I didn't, the, the two slows, I just moved them out of the way. Swift to hear, swift to speak, and swift to rap. And I didn't even like the speaking part. We could just skip the speaking part altogether. I was never the guy that was going to speak a whole lot. It was, when it got to that point, most people knew where I was headed. But God was telling me earlier when I was doing all this stuff, what, just like Steve talked about, I can't stand here and profess to be a Christian and do all these things and that can continue to be a problem. Now, it can continue to be something that I deal with, but I have got to be under control. And I left my phone in the pew, and I, sh I shouldn't have because I don't normally do this, but there's a, and I don't have to quote it word for word, there's a Charles Spurgeon quote about a temper. And it's talking about he says, you must control your temper. You can't carry your temper to heaven with you. And what he's saying is, you can't just keep saying, well, I'll get it under control eventually. you got to get it under control now. It's got to happen now. So I read this scripture, and, and the, the, verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. There is no way that somebody who sees me and is watching me as a Christian can see that kind of wrath and then go, you know what? That's a man of God right there. That's a man of God right there. Now, we get angry. Peter chopped the guy's ear off. Okay? And was pretty good with a sword because all he got was his ear. So we do get angry and we do see those things, but we've got to stop. Spurgeon's quote, it says, you, now. It's got to happen now. It's got to stop now. Something that I struggle with, uh, I'll be 42 in a week. In a, yeah, in a close, well, a week and, well, 11 days. I'll be 42. Um, We'll, we'll just call it 35 years when I was about seven or eight years old. And so I've struggled with blaming whoever. Uh, very important person in my life who was supposed to be important in anyone's life. Um, 
made me angry and uh, uh, basically abandoned me and, and chose, this is the big thing, this was one of my titles was going to be Choices. Brandon and Britt was like, hey, what's the title? And I went, don't ask me that. I've script, there's four titles scribbled out up here. I don't have one. This is a testimony of sanctification. That's what we're going to call it. But one of them was Choices. That person in my life made choices. And nine out of ten of those choices were never me. And the first time I remember it not being me was about, I don't know, I was about six, five or six, and I'm sitting on the front porch at 335 Donna Drive, which is right behind Wilson's Forest in Gardendale. You turn right there and go back, there's a circle back there. Sitting on that front porch, and I know at six years old how long it takes to get from that house, from that porch, to Irwin High School. And so my mom hangs up the phone, the house phone, if anybody still has one of those, from my dad calling on the phone saying, I'm on my way. School's out, it's three, whatever, three o'clock, principal at Irwin High School, I'm on my way. And so I got a bag and whatever else, and I'm on the front porch. And it's, let's, we'll just call it 3.30. And at 7.30, I'm still sitting on the porch with my bag and whatever else I have. It doesn't take four hours to get from the old Irwin High School above the old movie theater in Centerpoint to behind Wilson's Forest and Gardner. Matter of fact, you can make that trip I'm going to say 30 times in four hours. I did it a lot. 30 times in four hours. And I got angry. My mom told me one time that I was like the sweetest kid in the world until about seven years old. And she told me. Now, it was later on, I think she waited to tell me where I guess she thought I could handle it. And she said, you, your whole, you changed. Your whole demeanor changed. Everything about you changed. Well, I made a choice. I made a choice on the steps. Now, as a six-year-old, I'm angry, and I'm going to be angry, and there's nobody that's going to change my mind. Six years old, I made a choice. Just like that's the word God hit me with two weeks ago. Steve Abney's preaching, and God said, son, you made a choice. You're going to have to make a different one. 35 years later, you got to make a different one now. Those of them that, those people that know me and have known me for a long time, thank God there's only a couple, uh, I am different. And I've been different for a while. I've been much better. I haven't punched anybody in a long time. <laughs> I have not turned a chest of drawers over in a long time. And there's no more payphones. I can't punch payphones anymore. Do I get angry? Yes, I do. What I struggle with more now is the slow to speak, and the slow to wrath. I hear, I do hear, and I listen. I, I, you can ask my wife. I hear, you can ask the one son that's sitting in here. I hear everything. I, and I wish sometimes, and when I hear it, I don't forget it. Okay? I'm like, uh, somebody one time called me Rain Man. But it's, I just don't, I can't, I can't forget it. But I've, I have struggled with the slow to speak and the slow to wrath. And I'm sitting right there next to Amy two weeks ago, and God said, it's about time you chose the slow to speak and the slow to wrath. Because you can't do what you're doing, and then people see you react in a certain way, and then continue. And I could say, well, I can't help it, and I can't, and I can't help it. There's no way that I can help it. Jesus Christ has to help me. I have to stand in that shadow. I have to run, like Steve said he was running, to his daddy's chair, I have to run to my daddy's chair and go, I, it's coming after me, I got, you got to help me. 
I can't, I can't, you knew that particular day he was going to get you because, you, and you deserved it. Just, hey, I've been there and I was the older brother. I've been there uh, and it may have been swapped a couple of times. There was one time in my life with my brother that it was swapped and I don't know how I talked myself out. My mama saved my life that night. Michael would have killed me. But you ran to where you knew you were safe. I've got to start to run. We've got to run to where we know we're safe, okay? We've got to make the choice. We've got to make choice. Anger was a choice, and I made that choice. I chose to say, and, it, and it, I can't really, it's so strange. I can't really explain it. I chose to say, nobody else is going to do this. Nobody else is going to do this. And what was so bad about, and I can't, I don't even think about going back and doing all these things different. What I regret a lot of is I would take some of that anger out like on my mother and then continue to beg the other one for the for the acceptance continue I don't know why um, I played baseball at Bragg Junior High what I need to do I played baseball at Bragg Junior High the first team they had in a long time and is that better um, I wasn't really very good at baseball I loved it. It's my favorite sport. Um, but I really wasn't that good at it. I really I loved everything about it. Made the team. I was in the eighth grade. Made the team. My dad was a baseball player, was a very good baseball player. Uh, and I just didn't get that. I just didn't get it. I didn't get the gene. But the, I remember this. Like, and <clears throat> I, would, I had this great game, like, played third base, and I was playing it like whoever you – I don't care. Wade Boggs, Brooks Robinson, Chipper Jones, I don't care. Whoever – the best third baseman there was that day in Gardendale was me. And I went four for five with a home run. I scored two runs and had five RBIs and I struck out one time. And so I'm telling you, consciously thinking in my mind in the dugout as we're getting ready to leave, and it was at Bragg. It was at, it's the softball field now. It was at Bragg. And we lived in Gardendale. And my dad was there. And there were some other people there uh, that worked for him at Irwin. And they're there. Actually, one of them that worked for him at Irwin was my principal at Bragg at the time, Mr. Thomas. And they're all standing right there by the third baseline the whole game. And I thought, I can remember thinking, I told my mom, I was like, I'm, I'm going to ride home with Dad. I'm going to get Dad to bring me home. I live with my mother. I'm going to get Dad to bring me home. And I'm thinking, today is the day. Today's the day. Best baseball game I've ever played in my life, ever. And I, play, I started playing when I was four. When I could pick up a ball, I started playing. I was playing t-ball with a bunch of kids that were six and seven years old when I was four. And so, best baseball game I ever played in my life. Get in the car and sit down, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, you'd have been five for five if you could hit a curveball. That was it. There was no, hey, that play you made where you dove four feet out of bounds and caught that foul ball with three men on base for the third out. There was none of that. And, and I, was, I knew that was going to be the day. And I chose that day to get angry. But I didn't get angry. I was angry at my dad. I didn't say a word to my dad. Just sit there and take it. Get home, take it out on my mother or my brother. Those are the things that I regret. So I made choices. I wanted, what I want you to think about is the choices that we make. You may not struggle with anger. You may have no idea what I'm talking about. You may go, hey, I've never, and I hope so. I hope that you could, I hope there's somebody in here that can say, I mean, I've gotten angry, but I've never done that. <clears throat> but if there's something else, and I don't care what it is. I don't, I don't care what it is. Make the choice and choose 
Make the choice that God would have you to make. Make the choice to run to the shadow and be there. Make the choice to be quick on the hearing part and slow on the speaking and the wrath part. Uh, I mean, I could talk all night about things that I've done, anger. <clears throat> I fought a lot, a lot. Um, and it wasn't for any other reason other than I was just angry. And it didn't take much um, to get me there. It just didn't take much to get me there. Um, and had no problem, had no problems. <laughs> Man, God's good. Steve said, meet me at Willis's. Mr. Trotter didn't make it down there before us every time. He made it down there a lot of times. He didn't make it down there before us every time. But my problem was, I was so angry, we never got to the meet me at Willis's. We got to the front of Coach Hayes' door, uh, out between the gym and the old classrooms there in that grass part right there more than once. Uh, and I didn't, I, we didn't make it to Willis's very, very often. I didn't want to wait. I mean, I, I wasn't going to wait. I wasn't going to be a whole lot of talking. But I chose that. And I spent a long time, until I got saved, until I truly got saved, I spent a long time blaming, blaming other people. I blamed my dad and I blamed everybody else. It's everybody else's fault that I do this. And then when I got saved, I knew that it, it wasn't my fault. Now, the choice I made was my fault. The choice I made was my fault. And the first person in the Bible that I thought about that has every right to be angry, every single right to be angry and have a temper and be uh, full of resentment and wrath and all of that was Job. He lost everything. He was one day, and you, you read, if you read, that's such a great book, like one day everything is great. Everything's going great. And the next day, he, I'm not talking about, he, like, his kids are gone. Like, I'm the only one, his servants run to him going, I'm the only one that made it. Your sons are dead. Your daughters are dead. Your cows are dead. Your sheep are dead. Everything you got is dead. It's all gone. And there's never a, never a time in that whole entire book where he shows any kind of anger. He chose a response. No wrath. There was no wrath. He's a perfect example for us on how to react and respond to circumstances. I took my circumstances and decided I'm going to be angry. I'm not going to let another soul make me feel like that. And it's cost me relationships. It's cost me friendships. It's cost me all these other things. It's cost me days. It's cost me weeks. It's cost me months. It's cost me whatever. Because I made a decision roughly six years old sitting on a porch on a brick stoop going, I'm not going to let anybody else do this to me. So I'm just going to be so abrasive that you don't even I'm not going to let you get that close to me. I'm not going to let you get close enough to me to do this to me. So I'm just going to be mad at you. Now, I had friends. I had friends. I had, I mean, I know a lot of people. Uh, Amy and I've had the conversation where she's like, you have a lot of friends. I, I know a lot of people, okay? My family's been in this town for 100 years. I grew up in Garnet. I mean, I, from West Blunt to Fultondale, I know a lot of people. I played a lot of ball. I played a lot of softball when I grew up. I know a lot of people, and I had friends. But even those relationships were strained because I was never going to allow somebody to have enough of me to make, that, to make me feel like that again, including my brother, my mother, my grandmother. And I don't know if there's anybody in here other than my wife that knows how I feel about my, my mother's mother. 
And so I wasn't going to let her get that close. Now, there was never, never any kind of anger that we never had that kind of thing. But, and people talk about, and I don't want you to think that I'm up here like poor pitiful me. That's not it. My, let me make one thing clear, and I've told this. My dad has never, ever, I'm telling you, I'm fixing to be 42. He's never put his hands on me. Not one time. He's never spanked me. He's never slapped me. He's never, he, I li- well, I did lie. One, forgive me. One time I got in a fight at a halftime in a basketball game at the old Garnell Civic Center, and as I ran past him chasing the kid, he picked me up by the back of my neck and slammed me into the bleachers and left me there. That's the only time he's ever put his hands on My dad was not physically abusive. I didn't get, I didn't have to deal with that when I got home. Hey, I'll be there, and you're not there. And then it hits you. And you get older, and you go, how in the world was that more important than coming to pick up your son? So, this is, but it's still a choice that I made. Job, and he wondered why it happened, but he never made the choice to be angry. He never made the choice to be angry. He said, how can I question God? God gives, God gives us everything. How in the world can I question him taking it away? It's his. It's just like Steve said this morning in Romans where these people think that God's building this one person. And this person, I had a conversation with somebody one night on telephone for hours. And they were a Calvinist belief where these people are predestined. I said, wait a minute. There, you can't. There was no reason for Jesus Christ to come here and die and suffer if Craig's going to hell and Casey's not. That's stupid. There's no, he, why did he do what he did? If, if, if she's already going and he ain't, then what was the reason for him to suffer? That makes no sense. But we don't have the right. We don't have the right to question what God does with what happens here. We don't, who is the clay to question the potter? You can't, you can't question what, Job is perfect, it's a perfect example. And Job had some good friends. Job had some friends. He had some good ones and some bad ones. I'm talking about the first group. The first group were good. The, the, I'm talking about the ones that, and his wife too. Now, I, I really, this is Matt talking, this is not, I really think his wife was, couldn't stand what she was watching and went, for please, I can't watch you suffer. Just get it over with. I, th- I really think, I don't think she was, you know, I wish you'd just die. I'm t- I think it was, hey, I can't watch this happen. You, you go through this anymore. But the three friends that came over and just sat there, they didn't say anything. They just sat there. And then my Bible has sub- subtitles, and it says, Job speaks. And then he starts talking. And there was no blame. There was no anger. And I want to be more like that. I want to be where when something happens, when a circumstance happens to any of us, that you think, who am I to question why it's happening? We, we, we get so selfish about what's happening when I have no control over the circumstances. I had no control over those circumstances. And it was, and I'm telling you, choices. Choices were made, and then I made a choice. I talked to some people, uh, and I'm, here we go. I cannot do this without talking about football. <laughs> When I was in the 10th grade, a man came to Mormon Jordan High School named Larry Ferris, somebody that became like a father figure to me to a lot of people, and people that didn't even really know him and didn't have the blessing or pleasure to play for him knew him, 
he came to Mormon Jordan in 1993, in the summer of 92, actually. And, no, 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 summer of 93. So, I'm talking to my dad. My dad was a principal at Irwin High School. Coach Ferris was the head football coach at Irwin High School. It was a 5A school, bumped up to 6A back and forth. People going to the NFL, people going and playing Division I football. And he decides after like 13 years at Irwin, he's going to come to Jordan, who's been 1-9 for three years in a row, who hasn't had but one winning season in the last 15 years, who sent one guy to the NFL and had been to the playoffs two or three times. And I started thinking about why in the world would he do, why would he leave you know, it would be like, I'm not joking, it would be like Nick Saban going, you know what, I'm tired at Alabama, I'm going to Vanderbilt. I'm going to go coach at Vanderbilt. I mean, I, Vanderbilt wins a game every now and then. Mormon Jordan got lucky and won a game every now and then. I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. I got it made over here, but I'm going to go over here. And so I asked my dad, and trying to make a long story short, Coach Ferris had a disagreement, not just with my dad, but with another coach in another town. They didn't like each other. He didn't want to play that school anymore and got told by his principal, uh, and Craig can understand this now, we're playing them because we make more money in that one game than we do in three of them combined. You're going to play them. I the answer is no. We are not not playing Trustful High School. We're playing Hewitt Trustful. And he also said, and I thought it was good, we owe it to the communities to play. These two communities deserve that. Foot we're playing that football game. So Larry Ferris made a choice, and he told my dad, if we're playing Hewitt Trustful, I will not be here next year. And Dad said, I didn't believe a word he said. Stormed out of my office, and I thought, he'll get over it. He did not get over it. He walked in my dad's office three months later and said, I'm going to Mormon Jordan. And he made a choice. And my brother and I were talking on the phone, and I was talking with somebody else too, a friend of mine, and the effect of that one choice. And I know, I know Coach Ferris and those that know him, God was all in that choice. He would have never made that choice without prayer. He would have never made that choice without God leading him there. Now, it might have started selfishly, like I don't want to play Hewitt Trustful anymore because I don't like, I don't remember the coach's name, I don't like him and I don't, this, that, and other, but I know that he made that choice through prayer. And so what I'm trying to get to you is your choices matter. The effect that that had, not only, I'm telling you, this sounds silly, the choice that that man made in 1993 has effects right now. And the ones of us that know, know what I'm talking about. Made, the, made a difference to an entire, not just a school or to a bunch of kids that were out here trying to play football. He made a difference to an entire community out of one choice. But he, I know he prayed about it and he made the choice that God laid out there for him. I didn't pray about anything on the front porch. I made a choice. Because I was angry and I got selfish and I thought, I'm going to make this choice. I'm going to make this choice. People joke with me all the time about, uh, I, I don't cry a lot. And it's not, it's sometimes I really want to. Like, I really, I really want to. Like, I want to cry and I want to get it out. But I can remember another choice, laying in a bed when I was about 16 or 17. And I thought, I am tired of crying. I'm tired. I'm not going to cry anymore. I didn't know that it was going to be that powerful of a choice. And now, like, sometimes when I want to, I can't because I went so long with that. I refuse to allow myself to do it. But I made that choice. 
I made a choice. So I can, I'm telling you, like it was yesterday, different house, 967 Ridgecrest Drive in Gardendale this time, upstairs in my bed, and I'm crying myself to sleep again, and I stopped. I just stopped and said, I won't do this again either. I won't cry anymore. And I've been accused of being heartless and mean and all these other things because uh, I just don't, I, I don't. I, and and, and I, it was a choice. It was, hey, it, w- it was a choice that I made. And I've never chosen to allow God to work through that emotion in me and bring it back. I've never, I've never really made that choice to bring it back. Another thing he hit me with when I was sitting over there the other day, it was, son, I'm here. You can, you can pray for this all you want until you make an action. It's just like you can profess that you know Jesus Christ, and until you make the choice and the action, your action, not his, he's here. That steering wheel never moved. <coughs> God's here. That cross will always be there. It's, you got to come here and make the choice, I'm, which is what is one of the most difficult things to get people to understand and one of the most beautiful things about how God loves us. There's no forcing. He's not going to force you. There's not going to be any force. It's got to be a choice. So I made a choice. The other thing that I struggle with, other than the anger thing, is, and it took me like forever, I think I always kind of knew, but it took me a little bit forever to get it, is I, I struggle with depression. Um, and I'm going to tell you where it hit me. I mean, you kind of think, you know, we're taught our whole life, like, I'm trying to eat better now, and I was talking with somebody the other day about it, and it's not just because of why, I don't, I don't really care about how I look, it's about, I've got 15 more years in a job, in a career that's very physically demanding, and if I don't start something now, 10 years from now, when I got five years left, it's going to be even harder, and I need uh, to do it now. And it was, the hardest thing is the habits. Uh, I was telling Patty's daddy this morning, the habit of when I go to Jack's, well, I take this back. When I was in high school at Burger King, when it was where Hamburger Heaven is now, two double Whopper meals at a time. Two. That's probably, that's probably, I don't know, 6,000 calories at one time. And that was, I'm telling you, that was nothing. <coughs> that was absolutely, I've eaten 35 crystals at one time. I'm te- it was not, and it was, <laughs> and it was, it was because they've never bothered me. I feel sorry for y'all that you don't know what you're missing. They've never bothered me, but it was, hey, you're going to have to keep eating, and you're going to have to get bigger, and you've got to weigh more, and you've got, when I got to Cumberland University, I weighed 260 pounds, and two years later when I left there, I weighed 295. Now, I'm almost 6'1". I don't need to carry 295 pounds, but for years of my life, I got told, hey, you, be- you got to eat. You got to eat. My granddaddy, <laughs> my daddy's daddy, had Papaw's Clean Plate Club when we were kids, and you got guilted into not finishing your food. He would give a four-year-old a pancake this big around. Y'all ever seen Uncle Buck when he puts that pancake down? <laughs> And make you feel this big if you didn't eat the whole thing. So I, it's not my fault. I'm not taking any blame for this. <laughs> I didn't make a choice. I got made to eat. Nobody put a gun to your head. Well, he might as well have had a gun because he would, I'm telling you. I mean, it's like Christmas story when she said, starving people in China be happy to have that. You're like, I've been eating this pancake for 45 minutes. I'm tired of eating it. But uh, 
it's the same thing where I was told my whole life, you know, you can't, you can't be weak. You can't, if you, if you talk about what's really going on, then you're weak. I can assure you of something. I'm not weak, and I'm not weak because of me. I'm not weak because of Jesus Christ. And it took that for me to show, because for growing up before I got saved, and I know some guys in here that would feel the same way, it was, it was all about me. And until I realized that I'm absolutely zero without him, I didn't realize how weak I was. But it's hard to say, hey, I struggle with depression. People look at me sometimes and go, what's the matter with you? I don't know. I don't, what do you want me to tell you? I'm, I, don't, I don't smile all the time. And uh, Sherry Hill's not here, but she, she always tells me, like, hey, when I'm smiling, and it makes me feel because I don't really know it. My mother used to yell at me all the time, you're not smiling. Well, now I'm certainly not going to smile because you told me to. I don't smile all the time, and I don't. And I, and I, I was sitting down the other day um, watching television, a rare, like, uh, I don't watch a whole lot. I don't have time to watch a whole lot, but I was watching television, and I was flipping through the channels, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. has a podcast. He's retired from racing, well, from driving. He has a podcast, and y'all, I haven't watched NASCAR in 15 years. I just got sick of it. Like any other profession, you just get tired of it, and I just stopped. And I, I, I didn't stop because it was something I wanted to see. God stopped me there that day, and they're interviewing this kid named Bubba Wallace, and it's this black man, 26 years old, went to the race, been racing. He's driving. He was in, driving the Daytona 500 today, and I just happened to stop. I didn't know who was on. I just saw Dale Earnhardt Jr., and something caught my eye. It was probably all the stuff he has sitting on his table, the little cars, and I like cars, and so I was looking at that. And then this kid gets on a worldwide, not nationally syndicated, we used to say like nationally syndicated. Now when you're talking on a podcast, they can hear you in outer space. It's not just they can hear you coast to coast, you know, coast to coast. Well, it ain't coast to coast anymore. It's from where you're standing all the way around back to where you're standing. And this kid who has this wonderful life gets on there and starts talking about depression. And same kind of issues. Now, he talked about he was always with his dad at the racetrack. His, he's 26. His parents got divorced when he was like 19. And he said a couple years after there, they would do, and this happened to me too, they would do things like, you know, tell him. One of them would tell him what the other one was doing. This one would tell him what this one was doing. This one would tell him. And he told her his mom. His mom came into his house one day, sat down on the couch, and started talking about his dad. And he said, I got up, walked outside, got in my car, drove to my dad's house, and beat him up. He said, I just, he'd, he'd done something hurt my mama, and I beat him up. And he said, and then we didn't talk for like three years. And then we didn't, and it was, a lot of the things he started talking about were some of the same things that I heard, like the, the way that he was, um, you know, it was always this negative. It was always negative. It was always, I spent, um, I don't know, everything I ever played till I was a grown man. When I say grown man, like out of college football, I spent the first few minutes, not the whole game, but the first few minutes of the warm-up walking out, trying to find him in the stand somewhere. And it didn't, from every stadium in the north half of Alabama that I ever played in, I knew where he'd be. And if I looked in that spot and he wasn't there, it was different. 
And it wasn't like he was off in Afghanistan because that's where he was required to be. He just decided, hey, I'm not coming tonight. And it was different. And if I looked <clears throat> and I saw him, it was, an, it was another, it was different. It was this, so I really want to go back and look, and I'm going to laugh at this, it's not funny. I want to go back and look. I wish I could figure out a way to go, okay, did most of my personal files come when he wasn't there as opposed to when he was there? And still, like a fool, I would get in the car with him before I could drive. I would tell my mother, instead of riding home with my mother, who would not sugarcoat, if anybody knew who my, my mama, she wasn't going to sugarcoat, but if she was proud of him and did something good, she'd tell you. I rode home with the one that would go, you know why they kept running to your side? Because you're slow. Uh, okay, the, you, are you talking about like the time that I broke the kids' ribs from Warrior? That, that, I mean, what? That, there was no, hey, any, there was none, none of that. And I'm listening to this Bubba Wallace kid say the same thing. He's at the track, at the racetrack with his dad, and he gets out of the car, and it's all this, this is wrong, this is wrong. And we're talking about a guy who now has obviously had the talent, the God-given talent to be out there today on a two-and-a-half-mile racetrack doing 200 miles an hour with the best drivers in the world. The kid can drive the car. His daddy had problems. Your kid can drive the car. And fast forward a few years, or rewind a few years back, we're standing at one of Jacob's baseball games and at Mount Olive Ballpark. And I'm talking to my dad, and he tells me about hitting a baseball from some old backstop that used to be there, which is down by where the concession stand is now. He hit it across the street into, it's a guy named Lonnie Moon's auto repair shop now. And so we just start talking, and I say something to the effect of, I could never do that. I could never do that. I could never, he told me one time, the curveball conversation from, Bragg to down Tarrant Road to where we live was him telling me, you got to see the ball in his hand when he picks his hand up out of his gloves. And I'm going, I can't do that. I can't see that. What do you, what do you mean? See, look at it. Are you telling me you can see the way he's holding the baseball? It's all I can do to see the ball when it gets close enough for me to hit it. <laughs> and you're looking at his hand when it's come. How does the, and you know, there's people that can do that. And that's, a, I don't care what anybody says. I played a lot of baseball. That's straight from God. That is a gift from God. If when he pulls his arm out of that glove, you can look at his hand and go, that's a curveball. <laughs> I mean, and he goes, yeah. And I thought, well, no wonder you could hit the ball 600 feet if you could see what was coming before. And I said, I could never do that. I love, and I, we talked about how much I love baseball. And he made a comment. He said, and I'm telling you, it's like one of the most, and it still didn't do anything to get me over to where I am now, he said, yeah, but I, y'all, you were, you were 10 times better on football field than I ever thought about being. And I probably was on cloud nine for like two months. That's the only thing, the only time, the only time it was ever a compliment. It was, you know, when I got to college, it was like, hey, how is that guy playing in front of you? Well, he's been here for three years and I got here three weeks ago. Give me a, give me a minute. I mean, I, give me just a second. Give me a second to get there. But think, I want you to think about what you struggle with. And it really doesn't matter if you ever say it out loud to anybody else. The Bible talks about we're to confess our sins and we're to confess and, and build each other up in love and be strong. And it makes each other stronger. So 
technically, I guess, if you don't talk about it, then that's between, but, but I've always heard people say, and I'm, this, is, this is bad, but even up, even up till just the other day when I heard this kid on this podcast say what he struggled with, and they were talking to him about, hey, that must have been hard to say, and he said, yeah, it kind of was, but he's a lot like me, and he's younger than me, but I thought, hey, there's somebody else like me. He goes, hey, man, if I tell you, I'm just going to tell you what's on my mind. I just tell you, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. There, I, and I wish I was different, and I think I've tried so hard for years to try to fight that and be different, is uh, it ain't real hard to tell if I'm not happy. It ain't real hard to tell if I am happy. It's, it's either way, and he's telling me, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, I got, I got, and he said, he, he was at a racetrack one day, and they're like, big time, and he'd won a race and all this stuff, and one of his buddies on the pit crew looked at him and said, what's the matter with you? And he said, I just looked at him and went, I don't know. I'm depressed. I don't feel good today. And I thought, man, it feels so good to just say I'm depressed, and I just don't, I don't know why. I'm not getting into any kind of like psychological stuff about what the chemicals that are going on. I just, I've been angry for 40 years and over time, the anger has turned into a depression where I walk around going, I, why am I here? What, why did you, my mother and dad, and I've, it's in my Bible, this letter she wrote, there's no way I could read that right now, about the time that my mother spent praying just to have me. And I knew that was what she did. I, they, they tried for a long time. I mean, a real long time, and I'm going, Lord, why in the world would you put me here and then make me miserable? Like, what? You want to know why? Because you chose to be miserable when you were six. You chose to be miserable. And I gave you my word where you could understand it 10 years ago, and you're still choosing to be miserable. <clears throat> right there. I'm sitting right there, and he's going, hey, make another choice. You keep choosing the same thing. You keep doing the same things. Paul talked about something that bothered him. He talked about uh, a thorn of his flesh. He talked about, he never says what it is. And he never says, I, I don't know what it was. Nobody, I don't know what it was. I don't know, you know, it was a thorn in his flesh. And he said he asked God three times to take it away from him. Thrice, he says three times. I begged him, yeah, begged him to take it away from me. And, then, it, and then, it, then God spoke to him. And he said, my grace is sufficient. And he said, he made a choice then. See, he chose the first time to be upset about, take this off me. I've done that for years. Lord, all I hear is, hey, you're, he's your father. He's your, and I'm going, okay, but I don't feel, I don't feel that. I don't feel the same thing <coughs> that I felt when my dad's actually been nice to me, or I just don't feel that. And I didn't realize until two weeks ago, I chose not to feel that way. I'm choosing not to feel that way. Paul for a long time, now he didn't say how long in between those three times. He just said, I asked him three times. I prayed three times, take this off me. And God finally said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to take it off of you. I'm not going to take that off of you. And you want to know why? Because if you'll do it the right way, whatever that is, whatever that thorn is, and I don't know what it is. Maybe one day we can ask him. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was, I don't, maybe Paul was, maybe Paul, think about what Paul did before. God got a hold of him. Maybe that's what it was. He thought about, he felt guilty for what he, what he had done. He, I don't know. Maybe he was mad. Maybe, maybe it was a bum knee. I don't know. Maybe he stepped on a rock one time and his foot hurt all that. I don't know. He had plantar fasciitis. Have y'all ever had that? It don't ever go away. 
I don't know, maybe if he ate the wrong kind of bread or the wrong kind of leaf off a tree, it made his stomach hurt. I don't know what it was, but when God finally, when he stopped long enough to listen to God, God finally said, hey, I'm not taking that away from you. Figure out what you need to do to show everybody that through that, how strong you are because of me. That's what God said. My grace is sufficient. Quit worrying about. And Paul talks about, I realized then, he wouldn't take it away from me because if he had just taken it away from me, then I could pretend like I did. See, for years, I tried to do it by myself. I tried to find happiness in whatever. And now, I, I didn't go down some crazy road where I was, you know, doing anything. I, I didn't. But I tried to find it in whatever. And most of the time, I tried to find it in people. I try to find it in somebody else to go, hey, okay, I like you, and I really don't let people close to me, but I kind of like you, so I'm going to get close to you, and then something would happen, and I'd get angry again and go, nope, there it is again, I'd move on, and, I, and then I've, I've prayed for years, I've prayed for decades for God, just go, God, why, why, why am I, why am I like this? You've got to take the, if you're, and I've thought this too, and he knows it, I might as well say it, I've thought, if you're who everybody says you are, who your word says you are, why ain't you taking it away? What I do, what I do, I didn't make the choice that made me make my choice. That's his fault. And he sitting right there the other day went, no, you got to make a different choice. So whatever it is, pretend you're, pretend I'm Paul and you don't know what mine is. I'm just telling you that something bothers me a lot and I've talked to God about it. Whatever it is in your life that is your thorn and realize that maybe God's giving you the thorn. Now there are things he takes away. I've watched him heal people. I've watched him Heal people. I've watched people in my line of work who were dead, who were dead. And then 30 minutes later, they're sitting on the bed talking. And sometimes people were praying over them as we're walking them out to the ambulance. I've watched him do it. But if you won't take it, if you got, if you got one thing, the, th- the thing that Paul said, the thorn that's in your side, if you got the one, th- maybe it's two things. I got two things. We'll just call it one big thorn. I'm just going to mash them together. Okay. <laughs> I don't need two. I got, I don't need two. I got one thing. But the one thing, and God finally said, no. No. You, you do it different. I'm, it's there. And I, I, I want you to use that. Paul said, I want you to use that to show everybody how strong you are because of me. It ain't got nothing to do with you. And he said, if I do it, if he takes it away from me, then I walk around going, hey, I got rid of it. I prayed, and God, God, I got rid of it. So if he got that one thing, we got to rely on God's grace for our strength. Yes, Nothing we can do. There's no thing that you can do, we've heard it a thousand times, that you can do to have his strength. There's nothing that will give you peace. There's nothing other than God's strength that will give you peace. There's nothing other than knowing what Steve was talking about today, that Jesus Christ, this wonderful man, what a wonderful plan where, just like Steve said this morning, God knew exactly what Satan was going to do. The bad part for Satan is God knows what God's going to do. And you can't do anything about what God's going to do. And, man, sometimes you just want to look at Satan and go, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? You can't, you can't win this. He doesn't care. He said, like he said, he's going to try to take you down. And let me tell you something else, and we all know this. If you don't know this, then I can talk to you about it tonight. I'll stay as late as it takes. If you don't know, the, the closer you get, that sanctification process and those things, this, the closer you get, the harder he pulls. Because he ain't worried about the ones he's got. See, God's different. God's after all of us. And holds on to you just as strong when he's got you. Satan's got you, he ain't worried about you. 
I didn't hear any, I, I used to tell, I've told people a hundred times, I couldn't hear God before I got saved. I couldn't hear Satan either. Now I hear them both. I can hear, he, I'm telling you if, you, if you think he's just this guy walking around with a pitchfork and a pointed tail, he hates your guts. He hates the fact that I stood up here in front of a bunch of people, some of you that know me, some of you that don't, when I'm really not supposed to, according to our society, and say, I, some days I don't have any idea why I'm here. And I can't explain it. And I'm not going to try to explain it. I can't explain it. I don't know why I'm here. I can't, I there's days I don't want to get out of bed. There's days I don't want to get up off the couch. There's days I don't want to do this. I'll think about something. There's, there's days, and he is on me because he knows he can't have me. And if he can get me or if he can get anybody, anybody in this room that's professed that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and they're going to heaven, that's what he wants. Because if he can get you, he knows he can get this guy down the road and ain't got it. That's easy. That's all he wants. I'm going to wrap it up. We've got we to admit, I wrote this down, y'all. It's okay to admit that you're messed up. Paul, when he said, Paul just said it a whole lot more eloquently than I did. Paul said, I, had a, I got a thorn in my flesh. You, hey, I'm, Paul said, I got, I got, I'm messed up. Something's wrong with me, and I can't get rid of it. And I have prayed to God to take it away from me. And God said, no. We've got to pray for God's strength through whatever it is that we can show other people. Look at what I can do through this. That's what Dale Earnhardt Jr. And look, y'all, that's not like, <clears throat> they don't do, there's not a lot of language or anything. It's race cars, and I like race cars, and I like Dale Jr. I didn't like his daddy, but I like him, and I like the way they talk. And it, but God's in every single thing, and to hear them tell this kid, hey, you've helped, you don't even know the amount of people you helped just because you looked at somebody one day and went, hey, this is what happens to me sometimes. I'm not this invincible person that gets in this race car and I got no problems. Paul did the same thing. Paul said, y'all, I don't, I don't not have problems. I got something that I can't get away. Like, I can't imagine a thorn in my side. That's a it's just how beautiful Paul is and how beautiful God is because God told him to write it. But I rode mountain bikes with my lieutenant one morning. We're at Oak Mountain, come around the lake, and it's raining. <laughs> it was raining, and we stopped, and we looked at the radar and went, man, we got a break. We, well, we were wrong. It was raining, and he's front tire. I'm right behind him. And if you're on a mountain bike and I'm behind you, falling is not what you want to do. Just 260 pounds moving, I don't know, 12, 13 miles an hour. Y'all do the math, physics. That's uh, Einstein's thing. Force times, or velocity times mass equals force. That's a lot of force. His front tire comes out from under him, and he falls in this big mud puddle. Well, he gets up, we get up, we keep riding. Well, like, for two miles, he is like, I can see him. He's still in front of me, and I can see him. And one of those, like, bright yellow caterpillar stingy things was in his shirt. It was in that puddle. And he didn't know it. And he's like, man. And when he got off and pulled it back, it was in his shirt. And he was, we were wearing, like, the dry fit shirts. The thing, and that thing's wearing him out. So I couldn't imagine, like, I thought about that. Can you imagine something in your side that won't stop? It just won't stop. That thing was stinging him nonstop for, like, two miles on a mountain bike. And he, didn't, he thought he'd just scratch himself or something. I couldn't imagine Paul saying, there's a thorn in my flesh, and I can't get rid of it. It's something that he consciously had to think about on a daily basis. The one thing I've tried to do that I'm going to encourage you not to do, Brandon, come on, we're going, I'm going to get, I've told you, I'll try not to go too, I ain't going too long. There's some places still open. Tomorrow's a, it's President's Day, tomorrow's a holiday. How many people work at the bank? Okay. Unless you go to Jefferson County Schools, and those kids are going to be out late at Winterfest anyway. <laughs> 
I got, but it's something that, let me encourage you to do this. Don't ignore it. Come on, brother. And don't say, I don't want anybody to know. Come on. We live in the South, and we don't want anybody to know our business, but yet we want to talk about everybody else's business. Y'all yeah. know how that works? Like, I don't want you to know what I got going on, but I'm, let me tell you what someone's got going on. It's unbelievable. Hey, and I'm born and raised here. I can talk about it all I want. So, but I want you to know what I got. Don't ignore it. And don't push it to the side. Paul didn't push it to the side. Paul told them, there is something that bothers me every day. Every day. I struggle with, man, I wish I knew what it was. I struggle with this every day. Every day that I wake up, I say every day. Most days that I wake up, it's a... I don't want people to see me get angry today. And then five minutes later, I'm, I've messed it up. But don't push it to the side. Don't ignore it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't put it under your pillow. Don't run over it with your car. The first thing you got to do is get by yourself and get on your knees and tell God, this is on me. And if you can take it, take it. Jesus Christ did, Jesus Christ did it in the garden. Father, if there's any other way, take this away from me. I don't want to do this, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. So think about Paul. Think about Jesus and go, okay, Lord, this is something I struggle with every day. And it, don't, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the same thing I struggle with or cigarettes or whatever. I don't care. Whatever it is. And hand it to him. And do what the Bible says. Be quick to listen. Okay? Pay attention when he starts talking to you. Steve struggled with this. We've talked about something. I struggle with it. I've struggled with this problem for a long, long time. And I didn't stop long enough to listen until about two weeks ago. And he was going, you got to change. You got to make a different choice. I'm not taking this away from you. You got to take that and do something different with it. Don't, don't pretend you don't want anybody to know. Don't pretend that you don't want God to know. Because if you don't move to where he is, you're never going to get, you're never going to be in the shadow. You're never going to be there. You're never going to be, like Steve was talking about this morning, you're never going to be at the right hand of God standing there with him because now we're adopted sons and daughters and we get to go there. We get to go there. You got to get close to him and say, Lord, this is what it is. It's every day. It's every single day. This is what it is. We're going, to be, we're going to do things wrong. We're going to do things. The Bible says we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to talk to each other. God said His grace is sufficient. And you can ask Him to take it away. When I read that the other day, Peter said I asked Him three times. And I thought, man, I've asked Him too. And I... Sometimes He's going to say no. Sometimes He told Paul, nope not going to take it away from you that's you've got and then paul realized through the spirit that speaks to us hey that's what i'm using to make you strong for me through me your strength is there so people won't look at you and go well he got rid of that on his own and i can't get rid of it so i guess i'm just not worthy i can't do it it ain't about what paul was going to do or what i'm going to do or what you're going to anybody's going to do you have to look at people and go there is no way that i could get a I thought about this this morning too. The night that I got saved on the couch, he was very little. Jacob was much smaller. And 
Steve was talking about when he was there and he death had him in his hand. He just he's got him. I mean, you just like, you know, y'all ever seen like the little fat kid that's got like an ice cream cone? He's got it. And then when he drops it, you know, Satan had me on a couch. Yep. And I'm telling you, my thought process was they're going to starve to death because I ain't getting up. And he wasn't old enough to handle it. He wasn't old enough to fix himself any kind of food. He wasn't old enough to put formula in a bottle for Jacob. He wasn't old enough to change a diaper, Jacob's diapers. They would have, I'm telling you, they'd have died. They'd have been in a room, 710 Chestnut Drive in Hayden, and they'd have died there, both of them. And I would have eventually died. There's a lot here for my body to work on, but it eventually would have went away. He had me. I mean, I could just, this morning when he was talking about it, I could just see him, and he's got me in, my, in his hands. And I thought, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to pay my bills. I don't want, I'm just not going to get up. I'm, t- I'm going to lay here till we're all dead. Because ain't nobody going to come by. I'm just, I don't want, I'm going to lock the door. And I'm just going to lay here. And he had me. And just in time, just like Steve said this morning, God snatched me out of his Amen. hand. That's right. But I made a choice. I had one choice left. And it was to hit my knees and say, Jesus, I can't do it. I can't. I thought I had you all these years and I didn't have you. I was wrong because I know if I had you, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I don't have you. Come and get me. And he did. He came and got me. Whatever it is. Whatever. And I don't, I don't feel, I certainly don't feel weaker than I did before I said all this. I don't feel bad. I don't feel, you know, uh, God led me to tell you this because we all have it's in the Bible it's not me Paul's story about the thorn in his flesh is in the Bible for this reason to let you know hey we all have a little something and sometimes God's not going to take it from you he wants you to use it if you don't know how to do it sit in your pew come here Steve's going to sing a song just talk to him just say Lord this is something I deal with every day. Man, that's right. It's not a it's not a random problem. We all have random problems too, whatever they are. Raining, can't cut your grass, that's random. There's something that gets you every day, whatever it is. It can be a health issue, anger, depression. I don't it doesn't matter what it is. Complacency, it doesn't matter what it is. Relationship that's struggling and there's something that needs to happen, just sit there, come here and talk to him. And tell him, Lord, I know Paul told us that your grace is sufficient, that you can handle it. And I'm going to actually, for the first time, two weeks ago, for the first time in my life, I realized what it meant to let him have it. And realized that sometimes the answer is no. I think my problem was I kept waiting on it to go away. (laughs) And sometimes the answer is no, it's not going to go away. We're going, I'm going to deal with it through you. You're not going to deal with it because you can't. You can't deal with it. That's why we're here. That's why you're sitting here at 42, 35 years later, still worrying about it because you can't deal with it. That's right. Amen. You got to give it here. Amen. Do that tonight. Yes. Do it when you get home tonight. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is right now, do what I did on the couch. Do what Steve did in a church. Amen. And say, Lord, I got to, I I, got to know you. I got to know what it's like. I got to know. I know Jesus Christ is. I got to have you. I I got. I can't do it again. I can't go. I can't get up tomorrow. I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to get, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. I got to have you. Do that. He wants you to do that. He wants you to be there. He wants you to stand in his shadow. He wants you 
to depend on him. And he wants to take whatever 